Let's pause for a moment and pray together. Heavenly Father, we think about the words that we've just heard read and the songs that we have sung and think about the incredible weight that they carry. How we think about what monumental events were transpiring so many years ago still echo today in our lives and in our hearts. And I pray right now, Father, that you would speak to each one of us. Open up our hearts and our minds and help us to be able to understand truly the depth of our sin and the incredible, incredible grace that you have given us through putting your son to death on the cross and what that means in each one of our lives. And so I pray now that you would be with us in this time. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. If you turn with me to Luke 22, and we're going to pick up in verse 14. We've already read through the Matthew account of this passage, but we want to look at the Luke account as well and help us have hopefully a deeper understanding of what exactly is going on here and help us to just kind of pause for a minute and rest in the heaviness and the weight of what exactly is going on here. Luke 22, starting in verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup that they had eaten, after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. I think we lose a little bit of our perspective by not having celebrated the Passover the same way that the Jews did. I don't think we understand fully what it is. And and maybe it's akin to the way that we currently celebrate Christmas. An event that has incredible and far-reaching consequences that in most everyone around us and even our own lives, I I think for myself at least, I won't uh, confess your sins, but I will confess mine. It just becomes something sort of routine, something where it comes through December and now I have a list of things of people I have to buy for and I have to find a tree and my wife and I never really agree on which tree we should get. 
And all of these sorts of things that come up and cloud our mind and distract us from what really is going on there. And I don't know about the Jews in the time of Jesus, but I suspect that maybe this was the case. Because this was one of the biggest events in the Jewish religious calendar. I mean, this was the celebration of the Exodus. The time when the Jews were enslaved in Egypt under some of the most horrific circumstances that we can think about. They were beaten, abused, marginalized, pushed down. The Pharaoh even said that their children should be thrown into the river when the babies were born so that they couldn't continue to multiply. And yet God, hearing the cry of the Israelites there in Egypt, stuck in slavery, came and through Moses and Aaron, God working through them, brought them out of the land. And the Passover was a celebration of their release from bondage. Such an incredible, incredible release. And yet it didn't come without a price. And this was the place where the Jews, the Israelites, first learned about salvation by substitution. The death of something else, someone else, paved the way for them to be able to leave for freedom. And it gives us a clear and comprehensible picture of what Jesus would do much later. For us. And so there's very many similarities between what Jesus would do when he died on the cross and what happened at Passover. And I just want to walk through a couple of these quickly. The first thing that you may or may not notice, depending on your Koine Greek skills, is that when Jesus is speaking here and when it's written in the original language, The word Passover and the word suffer sound remarkably similar. There's one letter difference, and it doesn't make that big of a difference. And I think, while this is something fairly important, and maybe is a good trivia that you can impress all your friends with at your next party, I think it also shows us that Jesus really understood the symbolism of what he was doing. Jesus wasn't walking into this blindly. Jesus knew the plan all along. This was the plan from the beginning. And Jesus was moving forward with the plan. And Jesus understood the significance of what was happening, of these events, of this week, what we call the Holy Week. What some scholars and pastors refer to as the greatest week in the history of the world. And when you think about the echoes of that week and what happened there and how that resonates in our lives, I don't think you can dispute that. And so there's the similarity of just the words. I suspect probably as I begin to speak about Passover and the slavery of the Egyptians, hopefully your mind was drawn to thinking about the slavery that each one of us has. A slavery to sin. A bondage 
that we in ourselves cannot get out of. The same way the Egyptians enslaved the Israelites, they were stuck. The Israelites could not themselves do anything to get out of that. And yet, just in the same way as God intervened on, the ha- on behalf of the Israelites in Egypt, God, through Jesus and the events starting on this Thursday and leading up, culminating with the resurrection on Sunday, God intervened on our behalf, on the behalf of you and I, to rescue us out of the bondage of sin that we are in. We needed help for an outside release. We couldn't do it on our own. And yet, despite all of that, God saw fit to come and save us. We see the imminence in Egypt of the angel of death. God told the Israelites that it was coming. That the firstborn of all the people, all the cattle, all the livestock, everything would be struck down. And we see the imminence, too, of death in our sin. That we, because of sin, because of the fall, because of the sin nature that we've inherited from Adam and Eve, we will be there facing death at one point or another. But yet in the same way, God provided a way out for the Israelites, and he's provided a way out for us. The blood of a lamb and the blood of the lamb. The Lamb of God. The price was paid so that the angel, when he came through the land and the blood was on the doorpost, he would pass over those homes. And in the same way, the blood of Jesus, for those that has accepted the free gift that God gives us, covers us. With his righteousness, not ours, but his. There was a price to be paid and someone else paid it. In the case of the Israelites, the lamb. And in our case, Jesus Christ. And so those are some similarities that we can see in this passage. As we think about how it relates to Passover and how it relates to what Jesus was doing. But yet there's some differences in this as well. The lamb didn't have a choice in the matter. And yet Jesus, he did. The lamb did not, was not a willing participant. And yet the lamb of God gave himself up to die for you and for me. He didn't have to. It wasn't required. But he wanted to because he loves you. Loves you enough to die. And then there was the case of the temporary nature of the Passover. It was a one-time event. And yes, they celebrated the feast every year to commemorate that event. But it only happened one time. And it only happened in that specific place for those specific people. 
And I think we do well to understand that while, yes, Jesus did die one time and rose again one time in a specific time, in a specific place, but yet it wasn't just for those specific people that were present there at that time. The grace and mercy that flowed from the cross by Jesus Christ bearing the wrath of God for the sin of all mankind stretched back to the beginning of the world and stretches forward to the end of the world. A timeline that maybe you're smarter than me, but for me is incomprehensible. I cannot even begin to fathom that. And yet I can see and appreciate the beauty of it and understand that there is something altogether different going on here. And so when Jesus looks at his disciples, and as we will do here in a moment, as he breaks the bread and gives them the cup, he's painting for them a picture. And I'd like to think that the symbolism of what was going on wasn't really lost on them. And I think we do well to pick up on some of those themes as well. And I think it's appropriate for us to feel the weight and the gravity of this moment to understand the depth of our sin and the fact that it was us that required that Jesus die on the cross. It was us, broken, fallen, sinful people that necessitated that sacrifice. And yet... We have a God who loved us enough that he wouldn't spare his own son, the Lamb of God who was slain for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you did send your son and the fact that you have painted this incredible picture for us. And I pray that across this evening and across the next few days that you would help us to wait and to rest in that. To consider the depth of our sin and then to consider how much greater is your grace that covers our sin through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Amen.